The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to a new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JeremyCarthy74. This week's guests include Marguerite Deasy of Ring Rowing Club on being successfully nominated by Rowing Ireland for the prestigious Women in Leadership Programme. We hear from Munster Hockey Club Clonakilty following their Irish Women's Hockey Challenge Cup semi-final with Belfast side Northern Ireland Civil Service. AFLW expert coach Mike Curran returns to offer his expert analysis of another big week for Irish Aussie rules players down under. Munster Women Rugby's chairperson Wendy Keenan is back for our weekly review of all the latest club, interprovincial and international women's rugby news. Corkamogi senior manager Matthew Toomey gives me his reaction to last weekend's thumping Littlewoods National League win over Limerick. Cork LGFA senior manager Shane Ronane previews this weekend's must-win lead National League clash with Waterford. And we hear from Cork LGFA's under-14 in minor camps. And finally, ahead of the concluding two rounds of the regular MissQuote.ie Women's Basketball Super League, I interviewed Singleton Super Valley Brunel's Etel Thornton and the address UCC Glen Myers' Anya McKenna. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. Rowing Ireland is committed to increasing women's sustained involvement in sport as coaches, volunteers, club members, athletes, leaders and participants from grassroots to high performance. With that in mind, Rowing Ireland recently put forward three women for the prestigious Women in Leadership programme. One of Rowing Ireland's successful applicants is Marguerite Deasy of Ring Rowing Club, which is based in West Cork. The Big Red Bench caught up with Marguerite to find out about her long career dedicated to offshore rowing. Marguerite, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. How are you? I'm very well, Jared. Thank you very much for inviting me along to have a chat. Not at all. Um, congratulations, first of all, yourself, Shauna Fitzsimons of UCD Boat Club and Mary Moore of the Garda Corner Boat Club have been nominated mm-hmm. and accepted onto the Women in Leadership Programme. Congratulations on that. What is it about the Women in Leadership Programme that you're most looking forward to getting involved in? I think um, generally meeting other women that have similar interests um, in their area of sport and just getting, you know, different outlooks and aspects. Um, and also, I suppose it will, you know, there'll be a lot of experienced people on there and it'll be great to make some connections and see what their experiences have been to date. Yeah, and as you said, you'll be meeting a lot of other like-minded women in in, uh, in similar sports and involved in leadership programs. You yourself have been involved in rowing for over 30 years, and a lot of that has been with Ring Rowing Club in West Cork. Tell us about all that started and uh, what your role is now. Okay, so um, I actually started off in Clannacilty uh, Rowing Club, which is not um, running anymore. It's... Um, it's stopped a, a good number of years back so once that kind of um started where I joined ring rowing club and I've been in and out of there um for the past uh, too many years to name <laughs> um so I've played um a lot of different roles over the years and on the local circuit with the southwest rowing and just got into club development and really enjoy helping clubs develop in different areas and um, part of the coxing course we set up there as well to promote coxes and get them you know younger people coxing and and obviously you know the female in sport rowing would have been a very male dominated sport at one stage and so we we like to get um we like to promote and get some more women in there and i think i can safely say that women are probably in numbers are overtaking the males at this stage, which is a good sign and um, something's working. Um, but we do need to look at 
retaining young women in port, I think, um, through different areas. So, yeah. Yeah, and Ring, you mentioned um, this is this, of course, is co- this is offshore rowing uh, that Ring Rowing Club are involved in, and you are also the mm-hmm. chair of Rowing Ireland's offshore rowing for this particular year, and you were team manager of the Irish Beach Sprints team last year. So you're you're very very much involved. It, rowing is a huge part of your life, but rowing itself and offshore rowing is about to become more and more po- is becoming more popular. But the prospect of becoming an Olympic sport, and that's, I think you said, the Irish beach sprint, the beach sprints element of it is likely to be the first one. How important are the next couple of years for offshore rowing? Huge. Um, I suppose the development of, you know, the underage in the sport now is crucial to the outcome later on because if it is um, in 2028, I mean, you, if you think about it, you need to start targeting your your 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds and get them into it and get them going and start training them up on how to do it. And it just doesn't, um, you know, you, it's not targeting just good rowers. It's also targeting um, athletic um, people. You know, you might necessarily um, have somebody in mind when you think about rowing. You might think, oh, you know, um, they might be tall or they might be um, quite successful rowers. But you know, this could come out of anything when you look at it. Any Anything is possible when you look at beach because there's so many variants attached to it. You know, every second counts within it. You start off on um, a start line against your opponent. You race down the beach. Uh, you jump into the boat and you navigate your way out over um, three boys. So you there's a slalom course. And you turn the last boy outside and back in and you jump out of the boat and run back up and hit the buzzer. So, you know, there's a lot of different elements to it and different aspects to the to the development of it. And that's the challenge now, um, I think, for clubs is to, you know, looking at that area. And, you know, clubs are busy enough with offshore and coastal and, you know, even river roars or Olympic flat water rowing. But, you know, they need, you need to start looking at that now and start the training of it. Where I think um, Kangoo are actually putting together a training camp, which is a, a boat vendor now in Ireland. And they're having one in Onihinsha on the 26th of this month. I think there's quite a few signed up for that to develop the skills that are needed to be able to um, develop in this sport. So I think there's quite a few from our club going and uh, have signed up for it. And again, there will be a regatta, a beach sprint regatta there in March, I believe, hosted by Rathcarnabry Rowing Club. And then we will have the qualifier in Onahinch as well this year, which will see. Um, all juniors and seniors come to take part and they, you know, the fastest crews will be offered the places to go to, you know, to represent Ireland in the Homes International, the World um, World Rowing Beach Friends Final and then there's an addition of the Europeans as well this year. So it's pretty exciting. It is indeed. It's exciting times. There's a lot going on, and as you said, 2028 being the year and the, the Olympics that these uh, that offer the Irish 
or sorry, beach sprints would most likely uh, first occur. There's there's a lot of interest already from my, from the way you're outlining it there. Can I ask you, Marguerite, mm-hmm. how much, and I know it's not offshore rowing, but how much of what the O'Donovans have achieved and what Skibreen Rowing Club and other, other rowing clubs around the country, but particularly Skibreen and West Cork, how much has that influenced mm-hmm. youngsters coming to ring rowing club looking to get involved in offshore rowing? Oh, it's pretty huge. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Uh, the Olympic wars in West Cork are, have been absolutely role models for uh, young people coming up, even in our own club. You would often hear the kids talking about them. And I mean, it's not just about medals and gold medals. It's about, you know, the kids know themselves what needs to go into this sport to be able to come out on top. So it's, you know, they're they're great role models. You see Paul O'Donovan this year and he's running in, you know, <laughs> long distance running. I mean, he's he's pretty athletic guy and admiral in what he does, you know. So, I mean, if Paul retires, he might come over and just start the beach sprints <laughs> with us <laughs> anytime soon. But, it's, you know, having that, um, having that club in, in West Cork is fantastic. And they're a great club, and um, it's great to see the guys so local, you know, in their achievements and what they've achieved over their lifetime. Because, you know, you look at rowing and you think, oh, look, it's like rowing is so graceful and everything. But underneath all that, people don't actually know what the body goes through and what it has been through to get to that level. Indeed. Well, look, it's it's fascinating stuff to see where offshore rowing is going. It's also fascinating stuff to see where beach sprints might be headed in terms mm-hmm. of the Olympics and from your own point of view, ring rowing club going from strength to strength. But on a personal level, Marguerite, we're delighted to hear that you're part of the Women in Leadership programme that's coming up this year um, um, on behalf of Rowing Ireland. We wish you well in that. Maybe we'll talk again a little bit later and see how you're no. getting on with it. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ger. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Donaghilty Hockey Club's hopes of reaching the 2022 Irish Women's Hockey Trophy Challenge Final were dashed by Belfast's Northern Ireland Civil Service following a 1-0 semi-final defeat in Clonakilty last Saturday. The Big Red Bench spoke to the hockey club's PRO Lisa Kemp to find out what's next for the Munster Club. Okay, now on the Big Red Bench, uh, in last week's episode, we previewed a huge day for Clonakilty Hockey Club, um, the West Cork and Munster Club were taking part in the Irish Women's Hockey Trophy Challenge semi-final of first appearance since 2014. They were hosting uh, Belfast Northern Ireland Civil Service in a huge day at the AstroTurf Complex in Clonakilty this past Saturday with a huge crowd turned up. Unfortunately, the result didn't go Clonakilty's way, a narrow 1-0 loss. But we're delighted to be joined by the club PRO, Lisa Kemp, who um, is just fresh off uh, playing in that game as well. So Lisa, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench and commiserations on the result. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, thanks for having me back again. Yeah, we were bitterly disappointed to lose, uh, especially it was a, such a tight game. But um, it was a fantastic occasion for the club, and uh, we gave it our all. So um, you know, onwards and upwards from here onwards. Yeah, because for people who d- who don't know, with Clan, uh, a club with nearly two hundred and thirty members, which is huge for any hockey club anywhere uh, in Cork, let alone the rest of the country, club is on the up. But this was a big occasion for you at adult level, your your senior team, your first team. Um, it sounds like there was a big crowd there and a lovely occasion with a lot of red and green flags and a lot of kids there as well. 
It was, absolutely. Like, there were only 10 years old at the club, you know. Like, we, we played um, the Belfast site, and I see it. You know, they even counted it themselves after the match. You know, they're, they're together 100 years at the club. So, to think of how much we have, you know, achieved in our short kind of um, tenure, like, we're doing fantastically well. And it was lovely to see a fantastic turnout um, yesterday. All the kids with their red and green flags, um, future hockey players. And it was just inspirational for them and a great, great buzz around the town. You know, we had fantastic support from the local community. And even though it didn't go our way on the day, you know, it was a, a fantastic achievement and occasion for everyone involved in Clannock Hockey. Indeed. And it sounds, obviously, 1-0 sounds like it was a very tight game conceding in the second quarter. I mean, you would have been underdogs going into this anyway, even though you were, you were fortunate to have home advantage. But as you said, this is a well-established uh, team from Belfast who are going very, very well. A lot of experience. What kind of game was it from you uh, as a player's point of view? Yeah, well, we started off fantastic, really. You know, the, the first quarter really was clans. I think we really hit the ground running. And um, I don't think they were expecting that. You know, um, we were unfortunate not to score in the first quarter. I think it could have been a very different game. We had a few um, good chances. And if they had gone in, you know, who knows how things could have turned out. Um, But they definitely kind of composed themselves a little bit more in ICS in the second quarter. They played more kind of their game. And they we had a fantastic save from our goalie, CJ. And just literally moments later, then they got kind of a very kind of easy goal almost. You know, it, it kind of, it didn't kind of reflect the intensity of the game, shall we say, the goal. But from that point onwards, they really kind of dominated in the third quarter. They, they settled into their kind of very defensive strategy. They kind of stayed within their own 23. And we found it very difficult to kind of break through that. Um, now, we, we did give it all again come fourth quarter. We really went at them all guns blazing. We were desperate to get that equalising goal, but we just couldn't get it over the line. Um, but, you know, it was a fantastic game to watch. Terribly excited at the end. The crowd loved it. Um, so it was a fantastic occasion overall. Yes, and these are the kind of days, as you said, when youngsters are at it, they experience it, they get caught up in it, and it's the thing that stays in their minds when they come to decide whether or not they're going to play hockey, and it's the next generation that would want to experience days like this. So it's result aside, it was an important day and a positive day for you. It was, you know, and our team, you know, they're like, what we have accomplished this year is fantastic. You know, we came together as a group maybe last September. A lot of us had never played together before. You know, I was returning. I hadn't played in six years. There was a lot of young girls in the team. We didn't know each other's names. And so John Dennis, our coach, has really brought together a fantastic squad. He's built up a great kind of team spirit. We all got on exceptionally well. So being our first competitive season together as a group, I'm really looking forward to see as to what we can kind of achieve next season coming. Um, so from, from that point of view, we've done exceptionally well and we can definitely hold our heads high and be very proud as to what we've achieved and how far we've come this season so far. Very well said. And you talk about the long-term future, but the immediate future, you've got two very big games, uh, Clannacilty Hockey Club, coming up against another monster club, Ashton. Um, what are those games, uh, Lisa, and how quickly are they coming? Yeah, so we have a good few uh, league games left now, but we're actually meeting Ashton next weekend in the league. But the following weekend on March 12th, we're playing Ashton only in the uh, Munster Division 3 uh, Cup semi-final. And we met Ashton very, very early on in the season. You know, we, we were always kind of coming together. We're missing a lot of players. So we'll definitely have a very different game against them when we meet them next weekend. Um, and we're going to kind of It'll be all guns blazing for the Cup. We'd love to come away with a bit of silverware this season. You know, John Dennis has given so much to the team. We'd love to win something for John, bring something back to the club. Um, so two big games ahead for sure. Um, plenty of rest now in between the two. And um, we, we'll regroup at training on Thursday and, you know, look at our next opposition and we'll take it from there. 
Well, on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench, we wish you well in your end-of-season endeavours. We hope you get to bring some silverware back to Clonakilty. But congratulations on a fantastic run to the Trophy Challenge semi-final. And thank you for your time, Lisa. Thanks, Jared. Thanks for all your support at Red FM. We appreciate it. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. AFLW expert and coach to the stars, Mike Curran, is back with me on the Big Red Bench for another weekly review and analysis of how our Irish players fared in the latest round of Australian Roads football. It's that time of the week again. I can't believe it's only been a week since we spoke to our AFLW expert and AFL Ireland's Mike Curran. Mike, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Great, Jared. Thanks. The rounds are flying in one after the other, that's for sure. I'd like to say thanks uh, for your regular weekly slot. It's sped up the year like I've never, I've never known. So look, let's get straight into it. Um, the Giants got a big win over St Kilda last Wednesday to get a long week rolling. Yeah, so to kick off the week, we actually had the Giants in their rescheduled fixture against St Kilda, which was originally around five game. Uh, it was postponed due to the Giants having a major COVID outbreak breaking the camp, but they got to play last Wednesday night, and how about drama? The Giants led this game at halftime, at three-quarter time, then they went behind by four points with literally a minute and a half to go on the clock. They ended up winning a free kick, which subsequently got a 50-metre penalty, which put them in front of goal, and Catherine Smith had a shot after the siren to win by two, to scenes of elation for the Giants and heartbreak for the Saints. This was the first ever game that was won after the siren, and of course, Cora Stoughton was outstanding. She got a brilliant hat-trick in that game, solidifying her status as the Giants' leading goal kicker. And she was among the Giants' best on ground. Absolutely outstanding. And with another solid performance from Breed Stack as well, backing up on her breakout performance against Crows the previous week. Excellent. A good start for the Giants. But the top of the table clash that followed that everyone was talking about was Eilish Considine's Adelaide Crows. They remained the franchise to catch atop the Australian Football League women's ladder because they got an important win over Fremantle. Yes, this was the top of the table clash, 1v2, and it turned out to be a battle. Adelaide holding on to the top spot after a thrilling nine-point win in what was a low-scoring but high-quality affair. The win almost guarantees the Crows will secure a top two position now, which are the, the most coveted of the finals positions as it gives the teams in the first two spots an extra shot during the final series. Uh, the midfield stars were dominant for the Crows and Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff, both with 30 disposals each. And of course, for the first time last weekend, we saw Ailish Constantine starting in the centre. So how versatile is she turning out to be for Adelaide Crows? She has now started at half-back, full-forward, half forward and last weekend on the win, which shows how versatile she is and how versatile she's considered to be by the Crows. So a very good win for Crows and Eilish Constantine. And of course, speaking of versatility, we all know how versatile Anya Tai is across the last few rounds. Another brilliant performance from her as well. She's in our top five, five players of the year for round eight. But it was Adelaide uh, who took the spoils and hang on to top spot and looked the team to beat. They certainly do. Um, Geelong got their second win of the season uh, with Rachel Kearns at the Cats. They put up 33 points in Richmond. Yeah, it was fantastic to see Geelong and Rachel Kearns pick up their second win for the season. They did it in some style after a dominant first half, which included four unanswered goals in the second quarter. And of course, we saw some highlights from Rachel there, including a burst of speed from her and a kick into the forwards, which led to a goal. So fantastic to see them picking up another win. And for Rachel on the night, her standout stat seven tackles, absolutely ferocious <laughs> tackling by the Mayo woman. And she has taken to the physical side of the game like a duck to water. 
She certainly has seven big tackles there. Melbourne overcame North uh, Melbourne 27-17 in a third and fourth place clash. And from an Irish point of view, uh, Sinead Goldrick and Lauren McGee from Dublin, obviously on the Melbourne's books, and Aileen Gilroy is amongst North Melbourne's ranks. This is a big win for Melbourne, Mike. Very big. It was three versus four, as you see, and now Melbourne are up to spot number two on the ladder after defeating an ill-disciplined Kangaroos by 10 points at Augusta Casey Fields. Uh, with Melbourne's experience of the conditions, probably one of the differences in the end. But that ill-discipline, the Kangaroos gave away three 50-metre penalties, which resulted in two of the Demons' goals in the first half. And as we've seen across a number of the games, how critical those 50-metre penalties can be. So it was an uphill battle from there on. But it was a battle, and it, and it was the battle of the Irish half-backs this weekend. Both Sinead Goldrick were, and Aileen Gilroy were excellent on opposing sides, with Goldrick helping to stem the flow of supply to the north forwards. And Aileen Gilroy had 14 of those trademark kicks that we've now become accustomed to as well. So big performances by both players, but a big win for the Demons. Indeed it was. Uh, moving on, Collingwood hold on to sixth place following a dominant display against the Western Bulldogs. And the Pies, Sarah Rowe and Ashling Sheridan playing their part here. Yeah, this was a hugely important game as well. We had the top of the table clashes, but both these te- teams were in sixth and seventh. So they were batting for position six on the ladder, which is a, a, a critical one. It's the final uh, finals position, as it were. And it was Collingwood who actually kicked their highest ever score of 66 points. And they had a, an equal club record of seven individual goal kickers. So they came out, out on top on the night with a brilliant running handball game and really efficient ball use. And one of the best examples of that was a Chloe Malloy goal, which started with a mark and a, a kick from Sarah Rowe to Ashton Sheridan, who in turn hit it up to Malloy and got the goal. So that was some brilliant link of play by the two Collingwood Irish stars. Excellent. Good to see those two um, doing, their bet, uh, doing their bit for the Pies. Now we move on to Brisbane, who obliterated the West Coast Eagles by 98-24. to 24, And that was a setting, I think it's an AFLW record. You might be able to confirm that for us, Mike. But... The headline coming out of it, unfortunately, is a shoulder injury to Tipperary star Orla O'Dwyer, who was playing lights out up to that point. Yeah, it was the only negative from the game, I suppose, but a, but a big one. We saw Orla O'Dwyer, who's had her shoulder taped, her right shoulder taped for most of the season. She was forced to leave the field after a tackle where she aggravated that shoulder injury. So we're waiting for an official update. Hopefully it's nothing too serious and that we'll see her back in action soon. Um, Orla has been in outstanding form and it's fair to say at this stage that she's probably the first Irish player genuinely in the running for an All-Australian spot so really hopeful that she's back in action soon and this doesn't derail her season particularly coming to the finals but as you said there yes a record score Lions have set the record for the highest ever AFLW score with a total of 98 almost got to three figures for the first time ever they crushed West Coast in, in Perth um, setting the tone really in the first quarter where they had 15 inside 50s to, to none for the Eagles. This is actually the longest trip in AFL and AFLW from Brisbane to Perth, but I'm sure it felt like the longest day for the Eagles. Um, there wasn't much they could do. The Brisbane have six wins now from eight games, and they're up to fourth spot. Neve Kelly tried her best for the Eagles, but on the day, um, it was a rising tide, and there was no stopping the lines. And as I say, they play North Melbourne next weekend in, in what will be another game that will help establish those final positions. And hopefully we we get an update, a positive update from Orla's injury soon. Absolutely, we hope. Uh, wish her all the best as well, because what a season she's been having. Finally, Mike, Coruscant and Breed Stacks, Giants lost 55-33 to Carton. Um, Coruscant scored two goals, but is this a significant result for the Giants' hopes of making the finals? 
It is, unfortunately. Um, it, this was a, a topsy-turvy affair. There wasn't much in it, but Carlton did lead from, from the start. And the game was mainly notable for goal scores. Uh, firstly, Darcy Vessio from Carlton became the first AFLW player ever to kick 50 AFLW career goals. Three of the superstars in the game were in the running for this coming into the, this round. Vessio had 48, Aaron Phillips from the Crows had 46, and Taylor Harris from Melbourne had 44. But it was Darcy Vessio who got to that magic number 51st. Uh, on the flip side for the Giants, Cora was brilliant again. She kicked two goals, bringing her season total now to 11 goals. So that's the highest ever goal haul by an Irish player in AFLW history. Um, she's phenomenal. Just week after week, she keeps producing the goods. Probably a little bit of fatigue in terms of the Giants, I suppose. This was their third game in uh, literally eight or nine days. Um, they've got three wins and five losses for the season now. So very slim chances of making the finals um, for both Giants and Carlton. Uh, but they still have two more games to play and undoubtedly we may see Cora adding to that goal tally at this stage. We certainly hope so. Herself and Breed Stack have really been playing um, top drawer for the for the Giants this year, but it does, as you say, look like they're going to miss out. Uh, let's wrap it up with the Round 8 results starting on Saturday, the 26th of February, the Adelaide Crows travelling to Fremantle, winning 25-16, Richmond losing at home to the Cats, 33-10, and Melbourne defeating North Melbourne, 27-17 on the 27th of February, uh, that's last Sunday, St Kilda edging the Gold Coast Suns, 34-31. And the Pies uh, beating the Western Bulldogs 66-41. And then the West Coast Eagles suffering a hammering at the hands of the Brisbane Lions 98-24. And as we just heard there from Mike, uh, the Greater Western Sydney Giants losing out to Carlton 55-31. And what that all means is as we look at the latest ladder, the AFLW ladder, the Adelaide Crows sit proudly at the top with a second win in a row. But they're joined by Melbourne, who are on their fourth four-game winning streak. Both of those franchises on 28 points, quickly followed by Fremantle and Brisbane and Kangaroos on 24. And then Collingwood up into sixth on 20. And just outside the top six places, the Western Bulldogs and the Go-Go Suns on 14 points apiece. Carlton and the Giants on 12 points apiece. And then the Cats, Richmond um, on 8. And St Kilda and the Eagles way outside with 4 points each. It is boiling along, coming to the boil nicely, Mike, I think is the best way to describe it. We've only got two more, is it two more rounds of the regular season and then the fun starts. Yeah, just two more rounds to go. All those teams in the top six will want to solidify their spots and they'll be jostling for position because the higher up in those six you are, the better draw you get for finals. And of course, the couple of chasing teams will still believe that they have a chance to get into the six. But at the moment, the current final six looks like the team that will be in the shake-up for the finals. Hard to believe, as you say, it's only two weeks away and we'll be talking about the final series. But plenty of action between then and now in rounds nine and ten. And we look forward to hearing your expert analysis as ever. Mike Coran, thank you so much from everybody here on The Big Red Bench. Thank you, Jerry. Looking forward to it. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back on the Big Red Bench for another review of the past week's Women's Rugby International and Munster Provincial headlines. Now, we are delighted to be joined by Munster Women's Rugby's Wendy Keenan back again for another roundup of what's been a hugely busy week uh, on the pitch and there's plenty of stuff coming off the pitch in the following week. Wendy, it's very good to have you back on the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much, Joe. Delighted to be here. Excellent stuff. Let's start with the launch of the Munster Senior and Junior Schools Cups. Uh, a huge reaction across social media and across the country and beyond. And Munster Rugby announcing the establishment of these uh, Munster Schools uh, Girls Junior and Senior Cup competitions. The inaugural editions of these um, set to commence next week. Big reaction online, uh, Wendy. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been outstanding, really, just within, I suppose, an hour or two of, of the launch on the Monster Rugby website. It, um, it's just gone viral, really. Um, so we're absolutely develop, uh, you know, delighted with, with that. It's a development that COVID interrupted. So we're delighted that it's actually finally happening. It's another avenue for us to grow the game and also a, a midweek option, competition option for girls. But I do want to acknowledge, you know, the work that has been done by uh, Monsters, the WDOs, the CCROs, they do fantastic work on the ground, uh, you know, both in clubs, but also in schools, along with the teachers and the volunteers in the schools. And that's what's allowed us to launch this competition. So we're absolutely thrilled. So next Wednesday, the 2nd of March, the Junior Cup competition will kick off. Um, so there'll be two matches taking place. Salishan Secondary School from Palace Genry will be playing St. Anne's Community College in Killaloo. And Thomond uh, Community College are facing Arsgolvera and both those matches are happening on the 4G pitch in the University of Limerick. The first kicking off at 12 o'clock and the second at 1.30. And then facing the winners of those two matches will be Bandon Grammar and Kalosh Ida and Joseph in, uh, in Abbey Field. I suppose with these cups are our historic venture for, for Munster Rugby and we're very proud to be launching them. And the finals will take place in Musgrave Park on the 30th of March. So hopefully we'll get a, a crew to support us at that. And we're expecting this competition really to grow in strength year by year. And hopefully we'll add a school's competition for that younger cohort, that under 14 cohort next year. This is a reflection, Wendy, of the growing numbers across Munster, not just in Cork, at under 14, under 16, and, and now beginning to feed into under 18 and senior level. And this now will be another showcase for that talent. Um, absolutely. You know, the numbers in schools have really been growing over the last couple of years. So we just wanted to put a, a structured competition um, in place in relation to that. I mean, I'll talk about next week, but the following week we'll have 52, 52 schools represented at the X7s competition. Um, you know, looking to represent Munster at, at an All-Ireland competition. But it just shows you the growth of the game and it's just wonderful to see, um, you know, to mean, this those 15 aside rugby, it's competitive. Some of the schools are nearly there with that, you know what I mean, with that that squad that's needed to, to feature at, at a cup competition. But they just need an next few years. So I've no doubt that we'll have much bigger numbers there participating next year. You're going to be busy and hopefully we'll be busy here on the Big Red Bench talking about it as well every week. Let's move on to the AIL final, a fantastic match between Railway Union and Blackrock, which was screened on TG Garda, defending champions Railway Union, retaining their energy all Ireland League Women's Division trophy. Let's talk about that game, Wendy, but also the significance of the match being shown live on TG Garda and what that means again for the promotion of women's rugby. Yeah, and I suppose, look, first of all, I just want to say thank you to TG uh, Cahar, you know, for showing, you know, the Energy All-Ireland final. It was an epic match on Saturday, um, and it was just such talent displayed by both teams. The final score was Blackrock 18, Railway Union 24, and right up to the death of the match, they were fighting it out, and um, Black. Black Rocket opportunities in the last 10 minutes. They piled on the pressure and were within metres of the try line when they were penalised for a ceiling off, which allowed Railway Union to regain possession and move the play, you know, clear of their try line. I know I'm biased in relation to this, but I think um, many would admit, and I have to certainly say it was the best rugby match I watched on television on Saturday. Um, so Greg McWilliams, the new uh, Irish coach, was watching. So he must be very excited going into Irish camps the next weekend, like after such a fantastic match. You know, all, all players involved just put in such a, a superb display of rugby and, and showcased their talent. Um, and it was just wonderful. 
uh, two Irish players, Wendy, that stood out for you, possibly Eve Higgins and Elsa Hughes. Yeah, yeah, they were. I mean, you're naming two, but really, Charlotte, we could have you know a, a list of players, mm. um, you know, that put up their hands for Irish selection in the next couple of weeks. Um, so very exciting times and I suppose you know the difference being here is that the Irish girls got to play in the AIL final and Greg McWilliams has been very vocal and said he wants his Irish players to be playing in the Irish competitions um, and not putting them for Irish squad so um, so that's how they've got been able to play in these league finals which is you know it just shows you the growth of the game the growth of the talent and the fantastic work that's been done in the clubs you know to support this development. Brilliant stuff. And speaking of uh, work being done at clubs, fantastic result for UL Bohemians. They beat Old Belvedere in the Energy All-Ireland League Women's third and fourth place playoff. Yeah, I'm delighted now for UL Bows to finish off you know, their league campaign on a, a strong finish. So it was a hard-fought battle for them. It was in 1917 uh, at, at the end. And there were tries from Alana McInerney, Clodo O'Halloran and Emer Constantine for, from UL Bows. So look, they'll be absolutely thrilled with that performance and getting the, w- the win next weekend brings the semi-finals of the AIL Cups. The AIL Cup, the plate and, and the shield. And I'm delighted to say that Munster are represented in all three. So for the Cup semi-final, UL Bows are at home to Wicklow in the plate semi-final Ballancolic will host Cook and Kerry travel to Malone in the Shield semi-final so we just want to wish all three clubs the very best of luck next weekend in all three competitions yeah and it's great to see three uh, Munster uh, you know clubs new club, very new clubs and a lot of new players that are new to this level and getting to finals Wendy but getting to a final and even being at this stage of the season that's going to bring them on again for the following season Absolutely. Each of those competitions will bring them a step closer to, you know what I mean, to, to, to raising the bar, if you like, um, you know what I mean, within training and, and motivating them to, you know, to, to, to really work hard and to develop their game. And I am particularly delighted as well for Kerry. Kerry are, a, you know, a squad that are training hard and they do have aspirations of making it to an AIL in the next uh, couple of years. So this will give them a taste of what the competition is like. Indeed it will. And finally, uh, moving away from the club scene uh, into the Interprovincials and the Irish Women's Rugby Under-18 Development Programme, Munster, putting up a big score on Connacht, um, Wendy, and a lot of good standout performers from uh, within that performance as well. Yeah, a, a very uh, strong, committed performance from Munster from start to finish. I suppose, look, it was your typical uh, Munster performance in many aspects. It was full of passion, commitment uh, and energy, you know, with, with the girls giving the coaches, I suppose, headaches, putting their hands up for selection. And uh, the final score was 51-0 to, to Munster, which was an outstanding score. There were tries from, two tries from Hannah Morgan, who was from Middleton, one from Kate uh, Nolan, Clonakilty, one from Saskia. Witchley, Bantry Bay, one from Emily O'Regan Tralee, one from A.B. Kelly Bruff and one from Morna Moynihan and Ennis and I know I'm missing out one or two but I just wanted to show that you know the, the range of, of players that are represented at Munster um, getting on the scoring sheet but there's two particular players that I'm going to mention it's Claude O'Keefe from Ballancolic and Neve McCarthy from Bantry Bay they both made their debuts playing for their first time for Munster and I'm sure it won't be the last time that you'll hear me mention those two names um, you know I mean in the coming future so um, the full squad will gather again for training this week um, you know there was a selection process for this particular match they have two other matches coming up so they're all training together at the moment but from mid-March on they'll break back out into their regional squads for um, for regional training and there'll be lots of more opportunities for girls to push their way into contention um, for selection for the Interpros later on in the year 
brilliant stuff. And isn't it great, as you said, to see that wide number of, different widespread number of clubs being involved in a monster development squad? It, it bodes well, doesn't it, for the future? Absolutely. And, and I suppose if we look at, you know, Sport Ireland um, produced a fantastic document about girls in sport um, during COVID is, is when, it, when it came out. And they talked about, you know, developing friendships and having fun and, and all the important aspects to keep girls participating in sport. Mm. So, you know, I mean, having that range of players together, getting to know each other and, um, you know, they're, they're having a great time, which is really, really important. Excellent stuff. No. You wanted to mention something just before we finished. I think it was that minis competition earlier that you uh, you might have um, just we, we just covered, but um, in terms of what's coming up. Yeah, I just want to mention the girls' mini blitz that took place in Middleton RFC at the weekend. There were 130 girls took part wow. in the blitz day. You know, they're the young girls under 8s, 10s, 12s, 23 coaches in attendance. And um, I suppose credit to Peter Van Baldron for hosting the event that saw 10 clubs in attendance. And it's very encouraging for us to see such growing numbers at the blitz days. So I just wanted to, to acknowledge that for the club. That's brilliant. It's great to hear that those kind of numbers as well for that particular age group. I and mean, when there's so much else going on in other, other sports, it just shows rugby's growth at grassroots level. Now, we're going to go, before we finish, we go from the minis to the not-so-minis. Maybe that's the best way to describe them. There's a big Saturday coming up for a lot of ex-Munster players. Um, what yeah. is happening and how much are you looking forward to it, Wendy? We are very excited that we'll be celebrating all the women players past and present on Saturday at, at a function in Thoman Park. You know, I mentioned it previously, but we now have 120 uh, women coming to, you know, to mean to, to gather and, and celebrate together, you know, to mean all the successes that we've had at Munster at women's level. And I just want to say as well, thank you to Diageo and, and the Bank of Ireland and also Keynes uh, for coming on board as sponsors for the event. So we have gifts for all the players to commemorate their time with Munster and uh, it's a very exciting event we have people flying in from England and we even have somebody flying in from America especially for the event well we wish you all the best with that I have no doubt I know some of the people going to it that it's going to be a very raucous affair but a very well behaved affair but uh, it's lovely to see that happening and fair play for 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 organising that and getting that off the ground Wendy it's another week another packed news week of news God knows what we're going to have next week but we look forward to hearing you again on the Big Red Bench next week Thank you. Look forward to it. We'll have lots of cup results now for you next week. Good stuff. Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Or continue their positive start to the Littlewoods National Camogie League with a facile victory over Limerick at Parky Cueve last weekend. I caught up with Cork senior manager Matthew Toomey began his reaction immediately after the game. First of all, congratulations. That's a, a very good uh, workmanlike performance, a big win for you. What did you take out of it? Um, we were very, very, very happy with the first half. Um, you know, like I think we were doing with four eight or five eight at half time. It, like it was, it was very impressive. Um, we, 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 I'd say in the second half we weren't so good, but like we were after using, I think we used six seven subs, and we were after getting a lot of them debuts, which is important as well. Just keep everyone, you know, taking away at the, at the, at the trying to get into the team. Would it? Would you? Could you have done with a tougher challenge heading into the Kilkenny game? Um, yeah, I suppose possibly Limerick were down. I think six players, like so, they were a bit weaker today. But yeah, yeah, I suppose we could have. But like, just we, we can only do what was in front of us. And I was very happy with the first half. But like, we did really kind of reiterate at half time that we wanted to push on. Like other teams would do that to us. But uh, that, that was only just slight disappointing thing. But with, like you have to overall, you have to be happy with it. Indeed, and very happy with your forwards, the movement of that full forward line, especially and Cleanie Healy as well. You must be really happy how they're going. Yeah, Cleanie was outstanding today, and I'm really happy for um I think we got five goals and we probably left two or three afterwards on the first half, which is very pleasing. Like so on our day we can do that. But you know, we just have to make sure we can do it consistently, you know, is the main thing. 
and you're building momentum all the time as well, which is in part for you coming in the door with new management team as well. Like, I mean, it looks like the players are hopping off the ground. They look very fit. Um, no injuries after the game. Uh, we've won a two knocks, but I don't think there's anything major in it. Like, but um, yeah, the, the, the interest is there. Like, the, the, there's a fair buzz. You know how long that lasts. It's up to us, really, as management. So like, we're, we're, we'd be really driving that home. Do you know that the, the competition for places is huge, which is which is vital. Like. How happy you were with your midfield duo as well today? Covered a lot of ground and got got through some a lot of hard work. Yeah, yeah, Katie's a ferocious tackler, like you know, for the size world, but she's she's everywhere on the field. She's very, a very unselfish player as well. And Ashton, of course, going forward, like she should have got a goal probably in the first half when she put, took the point. Like, but you know, she's she's coming to her own as well. And, you know, it's, it's, it's like Ashton of old as well, which is great to see her. Like, what happens you now between now and the Kilkenny match, and how much are you looking forward to that? Ash, sure, like I suppose it's, it's, it's lining up now. It's like a semi-final, so. Um, yeah, we're really looking forward, especially when it's down Cork, like, where, it's, where it's here at Packer Ring. We're not sure, but um, look, we'll, we'll, we'll train away not normally. We'll, we'll play a challenge match during the week as well. I think we're having a look at that, just to make sure that we've everyone tipping away at the game. So, yeah, look, we'll, we'll just drive on. And... and just finally, on a day of Congress, I know you're not thinking about it or haven't been involved yeah. with it, but from Camogie's point of view and Cork Camogie's point of view, would you be in favour of an amalgamation with the three and how would that benefit Cork Camogie? Uh, yeah, usually, yeah, usually. Like we're, we're very happy with our county board, but everything they do, like, but if they got a bit of help, we say in the bigger scale of things, like we're we're doing band here training, which we're very very happy with. It's, it's a great buzz down there. But we're we're travelling all the time to training, like and when you've accomplished like this. But you know, yeah, we'll be very very happy with it in the whole scale of things. Like, yeah. would you be happy if it was amalgamation in terms of pitch availability? I know you've Castle Road always and like that, but from for clubs' point of view as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah I see my own club Douglas. Though the the, the 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 lads are very fair with the the, the girls when tr- for the training with the pitches and all that. But there could be a lot more in in general. You know, like and you know, I, th- I think you see there, like David is after coming to us now, and he sees like what he's with Wexford and Waterford, and he like he's blown away with, with, with what the, the players are here. Like th- there's probably a slight difference. Like th- there's no difference in the physicality and all that. So they, they deserve a break. Like you know, just to just to get to get game over the line a bit. Like you know, with our new sponsors on board now as well. Like you know, this this like that wouldn't be heard of. Like this is a huge thing for Cockmore and fair play to everyone who, who who's involved in getting it over the line. You know, so. We, we just need to go to the next level with the Camogie. Congratulations on the win for everybody in the big red bench. We'll see you for the Kilkenny game. Thank you very much, John. Thanks a million. Miss the show? Grab the big red bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Now, on the big red bench women in sport podcast, we're about to hear from the Cork LGFA under 14 manager JJ DC following Cork's Munster LGFA under 14 championship win over Tipperary and the second Cork under 14 also getting the better of the Premier County in Cladove last weekend. Cork Minor Manager Joe Carroll joins me for an update on how his panel are getting ready for next month's Munster LGFA Minor Championship. But first, we'll hear from Cork Senior Manager Shane Ronane ahead of this Saturday's must-win Lidl LGFA National League Division 1 clash with Waterford. Now we're joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by Cork Senior LGFA Manager Shane Ronane as Cork conclude their National League campaign at home to Waterford this weekend. Um, they need a victory uh just coming off two unfortunate defeats away from home to Meath in Dublin. And the opportunity, I would imagine, Shane, to get a game against Waterford so soon after playing Dublin is something you and the players are glad of. Yeah, look, even, the, I, you know, actually just a two-week break, I think, Joe, you know, it might have been beneficial to us, you know, to get a bit of work into the players. Uh, you know, when you're playing week on week, sometimes you can't really correct things that, are, that were wrong. So, look, we've uh, we've had a good couple of sessions uh, since the Dublin game, reviewed it see where we need to need to improve lots of places obviously and look we're looking forward to the Waterford game uh, you know we know it's uh, it's going to be a tough game because uh, it, it, both teams are fighting for survival so we're, we're glad of the chance you know to maybe to rectify some of the, the things we did wrong the last time 
Um, it sounded immediately after the game in Dublin like the the dressing room was down. They were obviously upset uh, at losing to Dublin. But since then, um, an opportunity, as you said, over the two weeks to train together and to get back to get back to the nitty gritty of it, I would imagine that um, the morale has improved uh, substantially since then. Yeah, look, I suppose even halfway down the journey, Jordan might, uh, you know, players were, you know, they were looking looking forward to getting things, getting going back to the training field and getting things right because the fair determined bunch. They were very disappointed with themselves the more than we were disappointed with what what happened as well. And I think, you know, every player relishes the opportunity to improve. And I think all players know that as well. And they were, you know, the couple of sessions we've had since, the attitude has been fantastic. So, um, so far, we're hoping for a big improvement next weekend. From your management team's point of view, you've probably learned an awful lot about, you know, bar the Morn Abbey players who hadn't been involved in the first two games, which you know about them yourself anyway. But you and your management team have seen in, in, in league and in game action what you have and what you can work on. And I bet I would imagine, aside from the training, that the, that's the real benefit of the league, win, lose or draw. You're seeing what players are capable of in-game situations. Yeah, look, exactly. Look, the, even look, the first day against me, we could have won it um, very easily as well. Uh, the last day, I suppose, we, we were a good bit off Dublin, but I think you learn a lot in, in games like that when you, when you learn. When, when you can afford these defeats, like, you know, obviously we're under a little bit of pressure now going into the last game, but at the end of the day, if we beat Watford, Two defeats to Dublin need one matter in the scheme, in the long scheme of things, looking forward to the summer. So, I think we've learned a lot about our players, about, I suppose, what they can, what they can't do, what their attitude is like, um, and how they've reacted, especially to those defeats in training this week, has been very, very good. So, we're very happy with that about the, I suppose, the mental strength of the players that they can, that resolve to, you know, to bounce back and go again. And they're very determined now to, I, I suppose, show a truer reflection of themselves against Warford. Um, this won't be easy, Shane, because you know Waterford in in terms of the you know in terms of their ranking and in terms of what they've achieved over the last few years, you'd expect Cork to normally win a game like this, but they were they put it up to Mead for the first half of their league match recently. They lost by eight points eventually, but they were with Mead for long stretches of that first half and second half, and they've always given Cork trouble no matter when they've played them. So I know you that you'll have the team prepared, but this this is certainly not an easy game. No, look, absolutely. Pat Sullivan is a very astute manager, and he sets up his teams very well. I was at the game they played against uh, Dublin and, you know, 12 points was very flattering to Dublin, I thought, that day. So, uh, you know, Wofford certainly did a better job at a lot of things than we did um, last, last Saturday night. Their, their, I suppose their press on the Dublin kick-out was, was very impressive, something we didn't do very well last, uh, you know, last Saturday night. So, look, Pat O'Sullivan, as I said, sets up his, sets up his team very well. Uh, I've managed against Pat many times in the past and it's always been really tight games. And look, Watford don't hold any fear going into that game. You know, they have a lot of very good players um, who are performing very well. And look, as you said, even the Mead game, you know, it was very hard to judge on that Mead game as well. Um, it probably was a little lot closer than the scoreline suggests again because conditions were so bad last Sunday in Dungarvan. Um, you know, you couldn't be reading into, into anything out of it. And, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to pose a huge chance. So hopefully the weather will be good now Sunday week in CIT and... Um, you know, I think it'll be it'll be a very exciting game. I said with both teams, both teams have to win. Um, there's no point in both teams sitting back and hoping that hoping that they won't lose because that won't work. For you. So I, I'm looking forward to that. I think uh, you know it's going to be a tough battle, but I feel if we if we can get the improvement we need out of our players, then you know then we can get the job done. Good stuff. And just finally, Shane, because away from the pitch, and I know you haven't really been focusing on that because you're so busy with Cork, but Congress this weekend uh, or over the last weekend. Um, the possibility of an amalgamation between the GA 
LGFA and Camogie has long been muted, but um, it's been going on for a good 10 years now, if not more. Can I just ask somebody with your experience at both club and inter-county level when it comes to ladies' football, both inside and outside of Cork, is there a benefit to ladies' football, GA and the Camogie coming together under the one banner? And if so, what are the kind of benefits that, that the players deserve and should get? Yeah, look, I, I suppose I think there is a huge benefit to it in the fact that um, one, we one organisation running running everything like, um, and I suppose look, there's a benefit with regards to I suppose pitch availability and things like that. I know the GA clubs have been absolutely fantastic to, you know, especially the Cork ladies. We we can't complain about the facilities we get all the time. Um, you know, the, the, all the clubs have been very very good to us. Uh, we we never have any issues. We've never never had issues down through the years either. I the same in Tipperary, we had, we had never had issues with, with regard to pitch and things like that. I think, you know, the huge other benefit will be the, will be the fixtures. Um, you know, I know there's talk that if there's all one organisation, that the Camogie and ladies football, you know, there the wouldn't be fixture catches. But I, I, you know, coming around to the fact that, you know, it's, it's very, very hard for dual players to exist. They don't ex- exist in the men's game. Um, so I think the, the talk that that might be a huge benefit, I'm not, not so sure because, It'll still require the same number of games to be played, but I think maybe the fact that they would be the one organisation, maybe you you would you wouldn't see any clashes. You might see two games on the one weekend, which would would be unavoidable really if you're going to play dual. But we'd hope to see no clashes. Um, you know, at club level, at schools level, it went on even a couple of weeks ago with schools level as well. I know that you know intercounty camogie and and schools games being called off because of it. Um, you know, and hopefully that would be a huge benefit of it that there's no games being postponed. Or there's no games actually directly clashing because of um, because of dual players and things like that. So I look the county the, the, within the both the county and club. You know, I suppose facilities would obviously be improved in lots of places. I said we don't have any issues in Cork at all with regards grounds, but I think all around the country there would be lots of issues that way. So obviously that benefit and the benefit maybe you know there'll be no clashes with fixtures, but I think we have to look at the reality that. The dual, the dual player is a player is, is very difficult you know at the moment look we're working very well with Cork and Mogie. the girls are working very well with us and there's no one being burnt out at the moment but there's going to become weekends where maybe choice will have to be made and that's just that's just the way it is John Fair point Shane um, on Sunday March the 6th at 2pm uh, in the MTU it will be Cork versus Waterford in the final Lidl National Football League Division 1B Round 3 of that group We everybody here on the Big Red Bench wishes you and the Cork panel all the best Shane and thanks for your time Thanks very much, Joe. Joining us on the Big Red Bench is the Cork LGFA Under-14 A manager, JJ DC, and he is delighted uh, with his team's first outing of the season, which was this past weekend in the Munster LGFA Under-14 A Championship because Cork registered a 218-13 to victory over Tipperary. And on the same day and at the same venue in Cladove, the other Cork Under-14 team uh, defeated Tipperary also, 4-3-2-2 to in the Johnny Hayes Memorial Tournament. JJ, I suppose, from a manager's point of view, at inter-county level, even you know as young as Under-14 is, that's about as good a start as you could have asked for. Yeah, it was um, an excellent performance. Um, I suppose we were all a bit nervous going into it. It was the girls' first time getting out into uh, an inter-county football match. So, you know... We uh, we approached it quite as calm as we could, and uh, weather conditions came rolling on top of us as well, which didn't help. But they um, they performed badly, especially in the first half when they had to play into a gale wind. 
Yeah, that's the thing. People tend to forget when we're talking about under 14s, they are our under 14 players. Um, and at inter county level, it can be a bit daunting for somebody that young. Uh, how happy were you with the um with the two with the two teams' performances? Look, we spoke we spoke to the girls before the match about you know being nervous and you know we 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 worked hard and just trying to get them to relax and not to be afraid to make mistakes and you know they are quite a skillful bunch. They have a they have a great attitude and. You know, we, we just get across to them that, you know, keep it basic and, and work hard and, and things will turn out all right at the end of the day. And, you know, we, we can't have any complaints. And, and all the girls that started and all the girls that came on, they all did very, very well yesterday. And from your point of view, JJ, and, and uh, John Fitzgerald, who's in charge of the other Cork team, I mean, how refreshing is it to see so many young girls interested in playing for Cork at this age grade? Because you went through a huge number in, in the trials process just to get to this first match. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, the... The standard of football was was very high, you know, even 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 given the conditions that they were playing in both games, the standard was was very high on both sides. And um, you know the weather had a huge bearing, especially on on, on the first first game because it's, it got very bad for, uh, during the second half of the first game. But uh, you know the, it's great to see to see so many of them out there, so many of them, you know, and their parents. The stand was full. You know, it was a great occasion. Um, this is the first round of each of those tournaments. Um, you play Kerry next, um, and then it's Kerry versus Tip in the final round. So, what happens between now and the Kerry match, and how much are you looking forward to that? Yeah, look, we have um, we'll always have a few things to work on. Um, you know, as you said, they're only thirteen, fourteen years of age. You know, they have they have a lot lot to learn yet. But um, you know, our job is to get them to to gel together as a squad. You know, and um, we continue to work on that. We continue to work on our strengths over the next couple of weeks, and you know, prepare to be prepared for for the the Kerry match on the on the twenty sixth. You know, it's still a it's, it's still a step into the unknown at this level for for all of us. You know, all these girls are new to this, um, so we don't have any we don't have any previous years to go on. So it's a it's a, a learn learn as you go. So all you can do is prepare the team as best you can. You know, get them in the right frame of mind. You know, get them relaxed. It's very important at their age to get relaxed and and go out and enjoy their football. You know, it's a it's an experience that um, some of them will take on to under sixteen and, and further the field later on. So, you know, playing for Cork is a, is a is a big achievement, and we hope that the girls will enjoy it, enjoy the process, enjoy the setup, and you know that in the future that they when it comes to going for court trials and putting their hand up to play on, on, on teams when they're older that they'll be comfortable with that. And that is the key thing here, JJ, because sometimes you hear people saying, isn't it very young for girls to be playing inter-county football at under 14? But the reality is, as you said, you're trying to get them to enjoy the experience of what it, of wearing a Cork jersey, but trying to understand what it takes if they want to go on to 16 and minor, because the competition for places, whatever it is like at under 14, it's going to be just as intense at those grades as well. It is, it is. And, and um, you know, you'll have other things coming into it as well when they get older, like strength and conditioning. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, um, if you look at the senior teams, they're almost professional in their approach to things. And these are kids, and, you know, they have to enjoy it. If they don't enjoy it, you lose them. Um, irrespective of how skillful they are or how good they are, you know, all these girls are good at other sports as well. So, you know, from our point of view, we, we're, we're responsible for, Making sure that their their introduction to inter county football is an enjoyable one, and you know that they that they develop well within that structure. 
it's, it's a competitive championship as well. The girls are by their nature competitive. They like to win. They enjoy winning. But um, you know, it's, it's not to be all and end all either. Very well said. Well, listen, on behalf of everybody at the Big Red Bench, we're delighted that you've gotten your uh, Munster Championship off to a winning start at 218 um, to a 1-3 victory um, over Tipperary in the Under-14 LGFA Championship and also a very heartening 4-3 to 2-2 victory over Tip in the Johnny Hayes Memorial Tournament. JJ, congratulations, and we'll talk to you again just before the carry match. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Cork LGFA minor manager Joe Carroll joins us, um, having announced his squad for 2022 and getting ready for the upcoming Munster Championship and hopefully the All-Ireland Series to follow. Joe, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. How are you? Thank you, Jar. Very good at the moment. Good stuff. You've announced your squad and it's a very, very talented squad. It has players from clubs from Ahada, Ballinhasig, Ballygarvan, Bride Rovers, Carrigaline, Clannacilty, Klein, Airog, Donamore, Aaron's Own, Fermoy, Glenmire. Island Rovers, Kilshanny, Kinsale, Liskool, McCroom, Navavon, Nemo, O'Donovan Rasta, St. Colin's and St. Mary's. You have you and your management team have cast the net pretty wide this time round. You must be very happy with uh, the panel that you finally picked. Yeah, Joe, I think we did. Uh, we probably are happy with it. I suppose we know when we start playing. Um, we spent a lot of time in it this year because it was a bit broken up at the start at the start because of players' other commitments and we weren't getting them all and so on. And Camogie, I suppose, has kicked in a bit earlier this year than it normally would as well. So we just took our time and gave players a bit of a chance to settle and just see what they were like. And I think we're happy. We're very happy, really, with what we have with what we've come up with. A very committed group, group of players. I suppose we started officially next last Wednesday night with, with the first training session with the full 36 because we had more than 36 up to that. And... Huge commitment from them in every session we've had so far and preparations are going quite well. Yeah, and ahead of a Munster Championship where you travel to Tipperary and you're at home to Kerry, they're, they're two very big games and at minor level, Joe, as you know better than anyone, um, both Tipperary and Kerry are always strong. Yes, Joe, they are always strong and I suppose we are going into the Union in the first game because Tipperary and Kerry will have played before us so they have a championship game under our belt so we have to be very careful with that that we are well prepared for that first game because you could end up in the B competition if you lose the two games. Uh, I suppose whether it's home or away isn't a major big advantage. You still have to prepare for it and hopefully we will be prepared for it. Uh, a bit of an unknown against both teams as well since that there was no under-16 competition two years ago. There's nothing to go on. Um, but look, we have a good share of last year's squad so hopefully that bit of experience will, will stand to them when, when we come to playing championship. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because not just Cork, but every county at minor level is in that boat now where the jump from 14 to 16 is one thing, but the jump from 16 to minor is a much bigger step in terms of physicality and in terms of intensity, Joe, and you would have seen that. Um, a lot of unknowns for you and for everyone else this year. Yeah, a lot of unknowns, and I suppose it's a pity really that they didn't have an under-16 championship because the jump was even a smart a bit bigger because they weren't put to a competitive edge where they had to play in a championship match they had to win and you know we are going, taking them into that but we have a good share of last year's squad left which hopefully would stand to us in good stead because we did play a Munster Championship even though we didn't get to play the All-Ireland Series last year and the Munster Championship was I suppose we won the final very well because we played very well in the day but it was quite competitive we got a very stern game for Kerry and even Tipperary the first night as well it took us a bit before we, we put them to to, to to the sword. So look, we know we're going to have to go to Tipperary and it's their home game. They will be well prepared as they always are. They're very good underage and produce a lot of players. So we'll have to, to make that jump 
hugely from from the players having not played under 16. But I think we, the players we have, should be capable of doing that. Now we don't want to preempt anything because you can't look beyond either Tipperary or Kerry, as you know well. But the opportunity, Joe, I suppose to put it that way, to play in an All Ireland series after Munster, the opportunity you have to qualify for it first. That must be fantastic for the players and for you and the management team as well. Yeah, I think it's fantastic just for everybody. In fairness, like whether it be Cork Kerry or Tipperary, it's fantastic for everyone because that talent wasn't there last year and there was a lot of controversy when it wasn't played and so on. But look, that's past history now at this stage, but it is huge to try and get out and play in an All-Ireland series. It gives you football for the summer or you won't be playing until after the leaving cert exams and things like that and grounds dry up and you know, you see your squad pulling together a bit more and you can work on things maybe that you haven't had the time to work on and you didn't have the time to work on last year. And that's a, a very positive thing from, from our point of view, but it's also a good thing from the girls' point of view because you can gel the squad together a bit better than maybe last year or the year before because of the, 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 the COVID. And it will be great for them as well. And it's a bit of a release at the moment not to be overly worrying about the COVID. We're taking the precautions, whatever precautions we should be taking. And luckily, we've been luckily enough so far. And I suppose the other big plus from our side is that Jerry Wallace, the Cork Minor Camogie Manager, is very, very helpful. And we speak on a regular basis, on a weekly basis. And, you know, so that we don't overload the players and, 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 and what they're doing. So from that point of view, we're looking hugely forward to the year. Yeah, and that communication level between yourself and Jerry Wallace, especially at minor, Joe, it's hugely important, as you said, because these players are very active, both for their clubs, for their county, and for their schools at the moment. Yes, and some of them, some of them are involved in all three, and we have seven players in the crossover with the with the, the Park Minor Camogie, and they're going again you know, this coming Sunday for their second match, and they've won one match already, like, but it's, it's very intense for them at the moment, but we're, we're, we're monitoring it, and we just pull them out of bits of the training or maybe they don't train at all as in we're training Saturday now they don't train at all so we have to be mindful of that and some of them then are trying to play schools schools Kenobi at most schools football matches and I suppose very shortly club things leagues and so on will be kicking in as well and they have to play all them things as well to be involved with their clubs because that's where they came from so we have to be mindful of all that and we try and monitor it and, 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 and work with them as best we can and you know also players would get burned out or badly injured maybe because of it if you don't if you don't just take it that you're the one group that's all important there are other groups as well that you have to take into account so we are working well with in fairness Jerry Wallace has been huge since I'm involved with, with Cock he's been involved with three or four years now as well and he's absolutely brilliant to work with as regards what we monitoring and they monitoring from their side as well Good stuff. You've chosen a captain from the Glenmire team, Evie Toomey, and a vice captain, uh, Siobhan Callanan, from Clannacilty. Um, obviously, I think there's, I would imagine, Joe, there's quite a lot of leaders already in that dressing room, but why those two for those specific roles? Yeah, we, we spoke about it for at length because it was, it was going to be somebody that was on last year's squad. And I suppose we picked Evie because she's she, 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 she works very hard in the field. She wouldn't be the greatest maybe talker, put it that way. But she's very active. She's hugely committed to us and very honest about what she has to do inside in the pitch. And I suppose Siobhan then is, 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 has developed greatly over the last 12 months in that she's becoming more confident with what she was doing now. She came in as maybe quite and shy maybe at the start of last year, but she, she developed into a great cornerback. And um, she does a little bit of talking as well to her backline. So that's helpful from cornerback when she's playing. And uh, I suppose 
play, but that was the reason. But like you said, there were several more as well from last year's squad that we considered as well that would quite easily have been considered as, as very good captains. Um, I suppose basically we felt they were two very good role models and we're hoping that, that they'll do the job. I suppose it isn't a major job. All you have to do is do the speech in the day. But like, I suppose as well as that, you're hoping that that they will lead by example on the pitch and off the pitch and, and so on and that the other girls will follow. So I think we've picked two very good girls to do that. Indeed you have. And listen, Joe, we're going to be with you um, every step of the way here on the Big Red Bench throughout the Munster Championship. We wish you well in your preparations ahead of those Kerry and uh, Tipperary matches and all the best for the coming season. Thank you, Joe, and especially thank you to, to you as well, Les, for all the coverage that, that, that we are getting. And it is nice to see ladies football back on the map again rather, rather than be talking about COVID and so on, for which we've been doing for the last time. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Singleton Super Value Brunel and the address UCC Glanmire registered important misquote.ie women's basketball Super League victories last weekend. I interviewed club captain and Irish international co-captain Edel Thornton of Singleton Super Value Brunel and the address UCC Glanmire's Anya McKenna with just two rounds of the regular misquote.ie Super League season to go. Delighted to be joined by Singleton Super Value Brunel's Idel Thornton as we reach the uh, final couple of rounds of this season's regular season in the Miss Quarterly Women's Super League. Idel, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench. Thanks very much for having me, Dear. Good stuff. Um, your uh, club, Singleton Super Value Brunel, all you can do at the moment is to try and keep the pressure on uh, the address UCC Glanmire at the top of the table as we head towards the final couple of rounds of games and this past weekend you had a very very uh, good win away to water or at waterford it uh, wildcats yeah um it was a must win game for us really we lost them in the hall um in a game we shouldn't have we shouldn't have lost by it went to overtime uh, and we lost by one but uh, going down there uh, is always a hard it's always a hard task to ask any team um and especially with the pressure on us now just to keep a bit of pressure on Van Meyer. Um, it was a very surprising win, but I knew we had it in us. It was just I really believed we'd win, but I just wasn't. I didn't think it would be either by that much. It was a very convincing win, like yeah, one hundred and one seventy-seven. I mean, sounds convincing, but this is this is a Wildcats team, you know, um mm. that were challenging and that were looking to challenge for the title. They got like so Stephanie O'Shea, they got Rachel Thompson. So you really pulled it out. Yeah, definitely. We and we went down there with nine players, and genuinely, I think that mentality actually helped us as a team because. We knew going in that we had to play even extra hard. You know, mm. you're playing Wildcats, but you're also playing with Wildcats and only nine players. So, like, I think every player on the team came ready to play, knowing that they were going to get their opportunity, and everyone took advantage of it. Honestly, from from top to the bottom, everyone was superb. Yeah, I saw some of the aftermatch quotes from your, your your coach Tim O'Halloran saying that it was a real, like the standard was very high, um, and you'd need to be at your best for the forty minutes. And the fact that you only had nine players, as you said, it was a bit backs to the wall before it even started. But um, this is the kind of adversity that you need to overcome if you want to get a high seating in the playoffs when it comes. And of the one hundred one points, I mean, Kwanzaa Murray uh, ending up with thirty two points, and you coming in chipping in with twenty, and Shannon Ryan. Uh, contributing 14 like those are big scores on, on, a, on a big occasion yeah Kwanzaa was very very good and she was very efficient now on Saturday um, she just she has she's a great shooter because she has no conscience the minute she comes down the floor she's open she's going to pull it and that's what makes her so good um, and it's, it's so fun to play with a player like that that can just she's well able to take somebody off the dribble or she can just shoot it in your face like she's she's a pleasure to play with 
you've got two tough games left. You've got Colester and you've got Liffey coming up um, in, over the next two weekends. I mean, I would presume it's more of the same, Adele. It's pretty straightforward. Like, you go out to win both of those games, trying finishing that probable either first, but more than likely second spot in the league and hopefully have a full squad to choose from. Yeah, um, definitely. The next two games are big for us. I think um, more so for the momentum going into the playoffs. Uh, if we can get two good wins now, there'll be a lot of confidence in camp before we get to playoffs. Um, we with that win against Wildcats, we have to win one of the two next games, and we have second place definitely solidified. Um, like for, for sure, uh, I'm pretty sure that we will come second anyway. But hopefully, look, once we win one out of the two, we should be we should be good to go. But we're going going out to win the two just to give us to give ourselves you know that boost and you go to win every game but that boost going into playoffs is vital especially you know when you when we're we will hopefully meet Lamar again in another stage and if we have that confidence going into the game um, hopefully it'll be a different result for us than the past three meetings we've had like yeah, I mean, that's the kind of game I suppose everybody on paper is looking forward to potentially. But as you know yourself from your experience, there's two tough matches ahead of you and including a Colester team that won um, this past weekend over Team Garvey's St. Mary's and they won 98-71. They stay fourth. They've got a really, really good team as well. And the fact you're at home, I suppose, Edel, that's a big, big plus for you. Oh yeah, big time. Uh, we love playing in the hall and I think I would like to think that people don't like coming into playoffs in our home court because uh, we do have we have a great home court advantage in fairness. Our fans are super uh, and people have been really coming out in force to support us this year and it's it's a credit to the club really and it's a credit to the people on the north side just coming out and giving us that sixth man. Like uh, We love playing our home um, and definitely we know what we have to do against Colester because they have scorers from all areas. Like They're a very, very good team and we can't let our guards down against them or Liffey because every game we've been in this season has been a dog fight and we're just we're coming to the end of it now. We're learning how to play in those games. Um so hopefully we we can pull it through to the next two games again, particularly against Clester coming first. Indeed, well, it sounds really good. Sounds really positive uh, from Singleton Super Value Brunel as ever. Del Thornton, um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tight when we do get to the playoffs. But there's two games to go, as you said, starting with Colester and away to Livy. But listen, we congratulations on your win over the water for Wildcats. Um, you're still very, very much in the hunt, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a really exciting end to what's already been a very, very exciting season. So everybody in the big red bench says thank you and good luck in the coming weeks. Thanks very much. We are reaching the business end of the Misquoted.ie Women's Super League and at the top after two very, very tough matches in quick succession are the Address UCC Glanmire. We're delighted to be joined once again here on the Big Red Bench by uh, one of Irish basketballs and Glanmire's best players and best known players, Anya McKenna. Anya, how are you? Good, Ger. How are you? I'm not doing too badly. Before we talk about the Address UCC Glanmire uh, and the two very, very important victories that you just got, you're injured because you didn't play a part in either of those games. So first of all, what is the injury? And secondly, and more importantly, how are you? Um, I'm good. I just have a slight strain in my calf. So um, I'm taking a couple of nights off and hopefully I'll be back and ready for the weekend. We have a really important game coming up against DCU on Sunday, um, up in DCU. So hopefully I'll be, I'll be back for then. Yeah, the games at this point of the season before uh, we went, we end the regular season before we head into the playoffs, it, they do come thick and fast on you and that's underlined by the fact you hit two games in the same weekend against Lee Clip, Immunity, Livy Celtics and then Father Matthews. Now you came through the first one on sat- last Saturday, 76-69, Carrie Shepard leading the scoring with 31 points, Claire Amelia uh, weighing in with 15 and t- uh, Tiffany 
Tierney, apologies, Tierney Furman coming in with 10. That was, it sounds like a tighter game than what it was. Um, never an easy game against League Slip Communities, I would imagine. Yeah, um, it was a tough game. Uh, I think Liffey Celtics have a, have a really good team. They have some really good Irish players and they brought in a new American and she definitely makes a difference to them. Um, they had beaten us actually at the start of the season. Um, so we were excited to play the game. Um, it was a really tough game. I suppose we didn't actually play particularly well. Um, but we got out of it in the end. Carrie was absolutely awesome. And I think, like, just to, for her, like, over the weekend, we had two, two really good games. And I think she scored 66 points in, in the 24 she hours. Did. So, yeah, it was absolutely unreal. Um, so all credit to her. Like, she, she really did, did do a lot of work for us the weekend. What's the mindset like for a basketball player in that situation? I know you, know you, were, you weren't playing yourself on this occasion, but you've played on the Saturday. You've obviously got to get back down to Cork, get ready for the Sunday. I mean, you obviously need a lot of rest in between the two games. And you would have been through something like this before, I'd imagine, in the past. But it's not easy for any basketball player to prepare and get ready for one game. But two games in quick succession and such an important stage of the year. What's the preparation and what happens in between those games? Yeah, no, it's not easy at all. Um, like, and especially when a tough game against Licky Celtics, you know, like, and you have to go straight into a game the next day. And there, it, there actually wasn't that much time between them. I think we played Licky at five o'clock on the Saturday and, and for the matches at half two on the Sunday. So there actually wasn't that much time for recovery. Um, but like during the week, I suppose Mark, he's really experienced with all of this and, and, and Ronan. Um, so we'd have, would have had really light sessions during the week, a lot of shooting. Um, a lot of things to keep sharp, you know, and not, nothing too heavy and strenuous on the bodies. Um, and I think that worked out well for us in the end. And I suppose just in terms of, of our team, we have so much depth. Like our, our girls on the bench have been phenomenal this year. Um, and they gave huge minutes um, the weekend, which which we needed, you know. Um, and I think that is special mention to, to Mia Furlong. She plays so well at the weekend. Um, giving us huge minutes off the bench again and I'm I'm just in the thought of Matthew's game I can just remember even hitting two big threes at, at two crucial times in the game so I suppose the bench makes a massive difference to us and, and we know we have that depth in the squad where anyone can play and if you know I was I was out the weekend like so many people stepped up um, and Lise Murphy's back from injury and she was she was back in the game scoring again and, and Leslie Ann Wilkinson and, and Louise Gannon you know they're all well able to to play and give minutes so it's really good that we have that depth in the team and I think that that's really what, what, what got us over the weekend Yeah and you need that depth definitely at this point of the season as you say when you're injured and other people pick up knocks I mean it's, it's pretty easy and, and tiredness and I would imagine a bit of lethargy at the end of that second game against Father Matthews that you won 85-64 you won it uh, comfortably enough in, in the scoring stakes and again as you said Carrie coming up with 35 points on the evening and a fantastic performance by her but is it good in a way, I suppose, to flip the coin on you that you're not thinking there's no nerves or there's no time for nerves going into the game against Father Matthews? You just got to get on with it because you just come out of the other game and it actually kind of suited you? Yeah, um, and I suppose it is always a big game. You know, you're playing your local rivals and I, I suppose even Mark said that to us. We, we had a shoot around on the Friday night and he said, look, we're preparing for Saturday's game first. You know, we didn't even think about Sunday's game until we could, you know, before the match. Um, so you just you just gotta gotta get on with it, and I suppose take each game at a time. I know everyone always says that, but like that really is the way to go. Um, and we only really did think about Lucy Celtics right up until Saturday, and then then on Sunday, um, before the game, we were able to prepare for the matches. I suppose we know them so well. We played them, we played them already as well in the league, so we know what most teams are about. Um, it's just a matter of of, of playing our own game and keeping ourselves sharp. Um, I suppose is is a big thing for us. 
Yes, and you need to stay sharp because, as you mentioned, you've got DCU Mercy coming up this weekend, and that's a huge game because of win, and you get the one seed going into the playoffs, which is what you want. But after that, you've also got Trinity Meteor. So there's two games left before the regular season ends. I mean, obviously, you want to win both games on you, and hopefully you'll be fit for one, if not two of them. But from the team's point of view, uh, ne- I mean, here comes another cliche. I mentioned it earlier on when you were playing uh, Liffey Celtics. But, I mean, DCU Mercy are a very, very good team, and they've had a decent season. I mean, this, again, on the road won't be easy. Yeah, we've played them twice this season. We played them at home already in the league and obviously we played them in the cup final, which was um, an unbelievable game, you know, and, and we we actually had to come from behind to, to win the cup in the end. Um, I think they went up about 12 or 13 points with about, with about a couple of minutes left, you know. So, um, like, they always give us a good game. They have two fantastic Americans. I think their they, last couple of games they've scored, I'd say, between 20 and 30 points between them each, you know. So, we're really going to have to focus in on, on shutting those two down. Um, like Casey Grace does uh, a phenomenal job on their American Bailey Greenberg in the in the final, um, in the cup final. So we'll be expecting a lot from from Casey on the defensive end again. Um, and from Mia, Mia does the same for us. You know, they're they're really good defenders. They're probably two of the best defenders in the league. Um, so we really have to zone in on their Americans and put a stop to them if we want to win. But it's always it's always tough up there. We always have a tough game against DCU. Um, there's great rivalry there they're always good games so look we are looking forward to it but as you say we do have to take care of business at the end of the day and, and hopefully um, we'll get through it with a win Yes indeed and you, you've answered my last question which was would that cup final come into the thought process at all um, but you've already answered that uh, it's another game and it's one that you need to win and have to win um, but at least there's two games left uh, to get that top spot uh, for the address UCC Glanmire um, Arnie McKenna, it's been lovely talking to you as ever. Best of luck this weekend. Hopefully you recover from that uh, from that knock as quickly as possible. And we'll talk to you again uh, come playoffs. Thanks very much, Darren. Thanks for all the coverage of basketball. It's great. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.